Welcome to Be The Light Podcast with C.B. Barthlow, lead pastor of Denver Beacon. I am your host, Pastor Ty Morris. Our desire is to lead the lost, the broken, and the hopelessness of our communities, to be light bearers in our city set on a hill. Now tune in for our sermon series. Are y'all ready to study the Bible today? Ray is ready. If you have your Bible, say yeah. yeah. If you have your papal Bible, say yeah. yeah. Okay, there's like a few of us. I love it. Do me a favor. Open your Bible to the book of Galatians. Galatians. Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. Now, as we're getting ready, I hope that my team in the back has the workbooks. We are starting a brand new series in Galatians. It's called Maturing Faith. And we will be using this workbook to take notes and for small group. If you don't have a workbook, raise your hand in the air and our team will bring you one. Teresa, Carrie, we have a few folks right here. Raise it up high, raise it up high. We got a few folks over here in the corner. We got to get some workbooks out. Here's the deal. The workbook is not in place of your Bible, though the scripture that we'll be studying is in here, okay? What this workbook is for is for you to use during service to take notes and when you're in small group to answer these questions. Now, do you have to be in a small group to use this workbook? Absolutely not. Should you be in a small group? Absolutely, why? Because God gets his greatest glory in community. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the deal. This workbook is yours to keep, and I'm proud of it. I don't mind telling you, I'm just godly proud of these workbooks. We do them every spring, and I work super hard, and this one turned out really, really great. And what you'll see is all 16 of our studies Uh, for this book are in here already, which means I wrote all the sermons already. Woo! That was a month, man. I'm ready for a vacation. Um, We're going to start today with our first message. It's on page eight. But before I do, I want to walk you through just a little bit of the history of this book. The Apostle Paul writes the letter to the church in Galatea, a church that he started And as he writes this letter, like many of the letters, he writes it to a group of people whom he loves, a group of people whom he has discipled, and a group of people who need a little bit of extra tending. Paul is a pastor, a shepherd, a saint, and a caregiver at heart. And when he writes this letter, like many of the letters, he writes with the desire to help them. Now, this letter of the four epistles that we've studied, we started with Ephesians, we did Colossians, last spring we did Philippians, and this spring we're doing Galatians. This one of the four is the meanest of the letters. Amen. You're like, how can it get any meaner? We preach a hard word at this church, amen? And this one is a good old-fashioned correction book, but I want you to be encouraged by the fact that when Paul writes with correction, he writes with a gentility and a care that helps us receive that correction and change. And what he's writing in this letter to this church is to correct a fallacy that has taken root in the church. We're going to talk about this week over week, but here's what you need to know from a very high level. Paul has planted a church with the truth of the gospel, liberty in Christ. If you would just believe, give him your heart and follow after him, you would receive eternal life. That's the message all the way in. And slowly but surely, some teachers have crept into this congregation to have said, first of all, Paul is not a real apostle. You shouldn't listen to him. And two, yes, Jesus and this other stuff. And Paul writes to correct those two things. 
Amen? Let's read this scripture. Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to read today verses 1 through 5. Galatians 1, 1 through 5. It's in your workbook and in your Bible. It reads like this. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches in Galatea. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The first message in this series called Maturing Faith is entitled Grace and Peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this word, for this greeting, this introduction. God, would you open this text and open our hearts to receive from you afresh that as we spend time in study, it would not be wasted, but it would be transformative in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. The letter to the Galatians is... um, full of some really beautiful passages. It's also a bit laborious from time to time. There is an ongoing conversation that Paul is going to have with this church where it almost seems like he's repeating himself over and over again. And I want you to lean in to that part of our study. There will be several weeks where we're really literally going to fight against works-based faith and push you to the understanding of grace and the peace that comes from it. And the reason that we're going to have to do this is because one of the best tricks that the enemy has to the modern American church is to tell you God's love is not really for you. You have to earn it. He will tell you this, the enemy will whisper that lie, you will hear it in dark corners, in secret moments, where the enemy will tell you, yes, grace for all, but not you. After what you did, no way. And you will be convinced, you will be fooled, manipulated by the words of the enemy that tells you that your past is insurmountable and that you, especially you, needs to do some extra stuff. You don't read your Bible like you should be reading your Bible. You don't pray like you should pray. You don't serve like you should serve. The whole conversation between the enemy and you will be all about... Comparison. Look what other people do. They must really have Jesus, not you. And it will be a push to you to try to find a way to work your way into God's grace. And I want to break that off your life, and we're going to have to break it off your life many times over the next 16 weeks because it keeps coming up. You cannot convince God to love you more than he loves you right now. Amen? Can I tell you this? He loves you so much right now, there's no more love left to give. He's crazy about you. And you can't earn it. You can't make him smile any bigger. When you walked in today, he's like, there she is, my favorite. And then the person walked in behind you and he was like, there he is, my favorite. It's the same for each and every one of us. He loves you, loves you, loves you. You can't earn God's love. It's freely given. So we're going to push you away from works and towards grace. But we want to be mindful that we understand grace correctly. Amen? None of this is in the notes. I have no idea what he's doing right now. (laughs) It's some good stuff, but we're not there yet. 
away from works and towards grace, but we have to be mindful that we understand what grace really is. Because here's what it's not that many of us really want it to be. God loves you just the way you are, so just stay like that. And that's not grace. Grace is not just say the prayer and you're good. Grace is not add some Jesus on top of whatever else you do and that's good. Grace is not if you sprinkle some forgiveness and some good old fashioned gospel, then you can burn some sage and read your horoscope and do whatever it is you want. That's not grace. That's not what this is. Amen. Grace is this. God loves you in your sin and he hates your sin because it's killing you. So he killed his son to take your sin so that you wouldn't die in your sin. Do you see the price that has been paid? So when you think you can come to church and say, I received this amazing grace and I don't change. You are making God pay the price over and over again for a goods and a services that you kind of keep stealing. Amen. We good? That's our intro, I guess. People are like, this is my first day. This is a little rough. Welcome to Beacon. Amen. All right. Let's dive right in. Here's what I want you to know. You have your workbook today. All three of our main points are going to be right there. They're going to be super simple for you to follow. You can write everything in there. The first point is authority and community. We're going to talk about Paul, his authority within the community. Then we're going to talk about this concept called grace and peace. And then I'm going to really push home the doctrine of how all of this is delivered to us as believers today. And here's what you need to understand. This letter, like each of the epistles that we've studied at this church, is what is called doctrine for believers. Unlike the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Is this cool if we teach for just a minute? Unlike the Gospels, which are meant for evangelistic purposes, to share the message of Jesus to those who are yet to believe so that they would come to a place of belief, the epistles are written by a pastor to a church of people who already believe. This letter and our conversations that will come out of it assume this, you know Jesus, you love Jesus, and you really want to get the fullness of who he is. Amen? That's the purpose here today. Now, you say, wait, I don't know if I know Jesus yet. Don't worry. The word is a two-edged sword, and it will get you on the backside. Amen? All right, here's what you need to understand. Paul's writing this letter to this church who've lost their way. He says, Paul, an apostle. He doesn't say, hello, it's me, Paul. He starts off the letter in the third person. He's big mad. He says, my name is Paul, and I'm an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And I'm writing to you with me and all the brothers who are with me to all of the churches in Galatea. Now, what he's doing in this moment is Paul is asserting his authority as an apostle. Now, let me just stop for a moment. In this church, you, that's funny. You know when I pull it back, it's about to get wild. <laughs> In this church, I will often teach you, and we talked about it last week, to find ways to take the high road in moments of conflict. 
Amen? In a moment, we're gonna talk about grace and peace and what it looks like for you to walk that out in every room that you enter. But as this letter begins, Paul is actually taking a more firm tone. And the reason is this, there are some times in your life where you just kind of have to set the record straight. Amen? Now, don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that you're in the grocery store and the person behind you gets a little snippy and that's your moment, that's not your moment. Those people don't need to be put in their place, but there are some moments in your life where frankly the chaos has to stop, where frankly the accusations have to stop, where frankly the conversation and the gossip and the division and the chaos and whatever the enemy has been sending your way through the mouth and the voices of other people, sometimes there's a few moments where it's like, okay, that's it, I've drawn a line, sit down, shut up, let me tell you what it is. Amen? Sometimes you just gotta tell people the truth even if they don't like the truth. How do you know when? You know when to put people into their place when they've removed God from his place. That's the difference. I'm not talking about when they disrespect you, amen? Someone says a snide comment to you, puts their name in your mouth in the wrong way. I'm not talking about that. Jesus said you'd be persecuted all the time. They hated him first. Amen? Get this. As a Christian, people are not going to like you. Amen? And you get to love them. But when those people begin to derail God's mission and vision and power and work in your life and in the lives of those whom you walk with, your family, your friends, your church, and your disciples, well, that's when you know it's time to speak up. Amen? So here's what it looks like. Someone puts their, 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 their bad language on you because they don't like your character. Fine. I love you. But they badmouth your wife and the way that she loves Jesus, well then that deserves a conversation. They say something bad about your kids and the fact that they follow after Jesus. They say something bad about your Jesus. They say something bad about your church. They start mouthing off or reteaching or misdirecting or false teaching or lying on the things that God teaches that you know to be true. You have to say something. And the world is full of a bunch of Christians who will run off at the mouth when they feel disrespected personally, but get all quiet and meek like a mouse when someone starts talking about God. I don't know what it is about us, but we get real fancy and angry when someone's mad at us personally, but the world attacks Jesus and we're like, well, you know, it's not really my place. It's like, you know, a world of tolerance and and everyone should have their own faith. Should they have their own faith? If it's the wrong faith, then they're dying. You should be talking about Jesus. Amen. Why is it that we're so weak when it comes to talking about our faith? Why is it that when someone speaks ill of the church, capital C. We don't say anything. We're the bride of Christ. If you were at a wedding and the bride walked down the altar and someone elbowed you in the ribs and said, she's ugly, would you not say something? Right? If it was your best man, you'd be like, well, hold on now, she's mine. Here's the deal. If you love somebody and someone else is attacking them, you have to defend them. And so Paul is writing in this moment, 
sweet and tender Paul who suffers and loves and goes through all sorts of calamity and chaos for the gospel to go forth. And, and in this moment, he, he sounds different. He says, it's me, Paul, the apostle. You know the church you're in? I planted that church. He says, I'm the leader. And my apostleship didn't come from man. And the people in your church who don't like me don't know me. And they didn't set me on this path, nor did they give me this title or the power through which I work. None of that matters to me because the standing I have now was given to me by God. So everybody be quiet and listen, I'm talking. That's the way the apostle is writing in this moment. And I want, oh, I wish, oh, I pray for you to have that same sort of fire in your belly when someone gets this Jesus thing wrong. They said, you go to church? <laughs> Are you serious? Church is so stupid. Haven't you deconstructed yet? Haven't you figured it out yet? Haven't you understood that that whole Jesus thing is just a manipulation? Here's the thing I hear all the time. You know, they use music to get your emotions up so that you'll give money. I just read this whole article on this. And I was like, gosh, that's a complicated attack. I don't even know how to fight against that. There is a whole group of people who are dislike the church and, 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 and we don't defend the church anymore, do we? We don't recognize that those people desperately need the church. But there will come a day when you and I will be called to account for the ways in which we stood our ground for the things of God. And I am praying, yearning that you have the kind of boldness, the Apostle Paul, to declare the authority of God that's on your life. Now, some things you need to understand. Paul calls himself an apostle here, <laughs> and we should be real clear about titles. Amen? The term apostle here is reserved for a very select few of people in the Bible. The office of the apostle is reserved exclusively for the men in the church in the first century who had a personal encounter with Jesus and were tasked with advancing the gospel through the creation of doctrine and the establishment of communities of faith that we call church. This is a, this is a flashy, this is teaching, okay? Apostles are only the men from the first century church who saw Jesus face to face, who were commissioned by him to write doctrine and plant churches. There are no apostles today, and you should know that. There are no apostles today, unless they're 3,000 years old. <laughs> the world that we live in that hates the church, dislikes the church, one of the reasons is because so many of us are so consumed with title and recognition and self-vain glory that they don't see Jesus in any of it. The world is not fooled by the crown that you put on yourself as a leader. Jesus said, I came to serve and not to be served. He said, the last shall be first. And when we as a church are desperately looking for a title, or I see guys named apostle, and I'm like, what is Jesus like? How did you meet him? Was it at a coffee shop? Because I'd like to go to that coffee shop. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? There is a gifting of apostleship that still exists today. 
Okay? We're not going to be so hard-lined to say that that doesn't work. The gifting of apostleship as a part of the five-fold ministry right, is that which is charged with moving doctrine forward and establishing communities of faith. So when someone works in the gifting, is this cool that we teach? It's, this is just good. You have to understand this. This is doctrine. Now, I don't want you to be fooled by someone who has a sash and calls himself apostle. That's freaky. Listen. There are people who operate in the gifting of apostleship, which means they move forward doctrine, take what has been written and help people to apply it to their life, and they are in charge with growing communities of faith. That's not just one church, but someone who helps many churches. That's the gifting of apostleship. But the office of apostle is done. Amen? And when Paul writes... Paul, an apostle, he is saying me, and a very select few can say this. And then he does this really cool thing. He says, and I'm writing to you with all the brothers who are with me. Here's the thing that you should know. What's really fun is last week we talked about authority. We talked about power and we talked about power being given by God, just like the apostles talking about here. And we talked about the, the, the validation of power and or authority within community, right? So interesting. That's the message I wrote for last week as we closed out that series. And then it turns out literally the first part of this message that I wrote back in December confirms that this is what the apostles talking about. He says, I am Paul, the apostle, that title and role that I have has been given to me by God. And and I serve in that role amongst you. And I'm validated in that role by the brothers who stand beside me. I've said this before, but you have to hear it again. Please be ever mindful of solo preachers, rogue teachers, or these wise influencers on social media who are not a part of a community and validated by other people who are called and sent by God. Let me say this, because we're a young church. If your doctrine comes from reels, you're doomed. Straight up. Because you can flick through those suckers and on any given day hear doctrine that competes and contradicts doctrine. Amen? Authority, the ability to walk in power, to teach, correct, and share what God has said for his people only works when that authority has been given by God and is used within community. And the reason it's used in community, because authority has a purpose, it's not just so that they can be in power. Authority works in community is in, and is rolled out in community for this express purpose. This letter is a perfect picture, to make things right. Authority in the church matters, amen? You have to have someone over you, amen? You need a leader in your life who has authority to speak to you, to correct you, and to love you, and to teach you, and to tell you, that is a stupid idea, don't. So that you will go, yeah, that's a stupid idea. Not so that you can go, I need a new leader. Because if you don't submit to authority, then you don't believe in authority. Guess what? If you have people in your life who have authority and speak into it, but you don't listen, then what you really are saying is, I am all authority. 
And that's dangerous territory for us to be in these days. And the purpose of all of this authority is so that we get it right. When Paul writes this letter, he is saying, I'm Paul, I'm the apostle, I started the church. And all of these men around me who've seen Jesus, who are also starting churches and writing doctrine, they will vouch for me. They know that they know that I got the juice straight from the king himself. And I'm writing to fix what's wrong in this world. And that's the purpose, that we might make things right. So when I stand up here, I don't sweat for fun. I'm sweating, laboring, serving you because God's given me one gift. And I'm telling you what, I'm like good at one thing. Two, I like eating cheese and I like preaching the gospel. (laughs) Me and my son, we got a thing for cheese. I don't know what it is. And I don't do it because I want to be famous. I do it because he gave me this gift so that we could grow together. This is it. My gift, the thing God's given me, is for you. It's only for you. The whole purpose of the fact that I get up here every week and labor every week to write these messages and believe in us and organize and do all this stuff so we can get it better is so that we can read this Bible and so that the things that are wrong could be made right, so that the paths that are crooked could be made straight, so that all the things that God has for us could be realized in our lives. Amen. And let me be honest with you. You got some things going on in your life that are just plain wrong. (laughs) You got some sin you need to deal with. You have some broken parts. You have some broken and foolish thinking. You have some bitterness and some blocks and some anger. You have some gossip and some stubbornness and a hard heart. You have a lot of things in your life that are wrong, objectively sinful and keeping you out of heaven. And our job together is to make it right. But if you won't believe in authority in your life, you will never make it right on your own. We don't stumble towards holiness. Amen. So Paul says, I'm the apostle. God gave me the power. It's validated by my community. And you yourself know when I preached this gospel to you for the very first time. And I came to make it right. In verse 3, he says this. Grace and peace. I'm sorry. I I wish that I could have been there when Paul labored over this letter. When Paul began to put pen to paper and his heart burned for the people whom he loved who'd been led astray by fallacy and accusations and gossip when he wept for the fact that many who had once come to the faith were now being misled and led astray to a gospel that wasn't true and was was completely out, when he had taught liberty in Christ Jesus and to weep over the fact that people had forsaken the liberty of trusting Jesus only to take on the bondage of law again so that they might live in the endless and dead cycle of earning God's faith. If only he would see me working for him, then maybe he might glean. I can imagine in my mind's eye that Paul was just weeping for these people. They had life and they were walking back to death. And he's mad, he's so angry. He puts him in his place, he yells, he says, I'm the apostle, I started this church. 
And I imagine that in his writing, he puts his pen down and he gathers his thoughts. I imagine that he prays, what, what do you want to say? And the voice of Jesus whispers out, just tell him grace and peace. Now I know Paul, I love Paul. I love the way that Paul writes. He's not a big fan of himself. And if you read enough about Paul, you know he's kind of short. And a lot of the scholars say he was relatively unattractive. And he had a thorn, which some believe was actually a limp. And so if you could see in your own head one of the scribes of the scribes traveling throughout the Mediterranean, you know, uh, <laughs> planting churches, correcting doctrine, Advancing the kingdom, unlikely, unsung hero that he is. Loving people who don't love him in return. Looking just like Jesus and saying, what should we say to them? And Jesus says, just tell them grace and peace. And I imagine that when Paul hears that from the Lord, he's like, of course, because that's what I've received. And so here's what we want to spend most of our time together today. I have just a few minutes and we may not get to this third point. When Paul writes this three-letter phrase, he is essentially encapsulating the entire doctrine of the gospel in just one breath. He is essentially saying this, I, I came to write you today to correct what's wrong, but if I had no more time than just this, all I'd really need to say to you is this, grace and peace. Now notice the order here. It's not peace and then grace. Oh, yes. You cannot have peace in this world unless you are walking in the grace of God. The two are causative. The only way, hear me, the only way that you will ever receive peace in this world, this evil age, this sinful and fallen world in which we live, the only way you'll find peace is if you first find grace. Grace from the Father that says, I've seen what you've done and I've covered it with the blood of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven, now walk in that freedom. That grace gives birth to the peace that says, I too have known what I've done and it no longer has a hold on me anymore. It no longer defines me. I am not who I once was. I have been made new. Grace and peace. That's the gospel. And that is what God offers every one of us here today. You're here, and he says, I know exactly what you've done. And if you just put your trust in me, it's forgotten. And you said, well, you don't know what I've done. And God says, hello, I was there. And the good part about being a part of a church like Beacon is that no matter what you've done, guaranteed someone else is in this room done way worse than you. Your pastor included. He says grace and then peace. 
And the offer to you today is that you might be forgiven. And through that forgiveness, through Jesus Christ, that you might walk in peace, which is to say this, that you can be aware of your past and not burying your head in the sand, not ignoring it, not leaving it behind and trying to forget it forever, but being aware of what you've been through and at peace with the fact that God has helped you to overcome it and he's still using you in spite of it. That's what peace looks like. I'm going to tell you this as someone who's lived kind of a little bit of a wild life for the first 15 years or so. I get, I get drug dreams. My addicts will know what this is. I get um, flashbacks where like I'll just be standing at the supermarket and I'll remember something that I haven't remembered in 15 years. Or I'll be asleep and wake up and had a whole night full of dreaming that I was still using. And when I was early in recovery, I used to wake up devastated, devastated as though I had actually relapsed, fearful that I had thrown it all away. And even when I came to understand it was just a dream, the guilt and the shame would be with me for like a full day. And now I wake up. And I'm like, man, the devil is such a dodo bird, man. The best you got is dreams. My guy, I'm good with dreams. You can give me all the nightmares you want because my reality is full of glory. That's what peace looks like. That's what peace looks like. It says, I know what I've been through. I know how bad it was, but it wasn't in me anymore and I'm not in it anymore. I'm out of it and Jesus made a way. That's peace. Grace and peace. You want to be those kinds of Christians. You want to be the kind of Christian when someone says, well, we looked at your record and you're like, it's nasty, am I right? <laughs> well, we, 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 we saw that you've been fired 15 times. Is it only 15? It's 17, actually. I apologize. I forgot to put the two other times. That's old me, new me is much better. Peace says, I don't care what the storm looks like. I know the one who calms the storm. Peace says, I don't care how dark it gets. I know the one who brings forth the light. Peace says, I don't care what the world throws my way. I overcame the world. That's what he gives us. But here's the part that you have to hold on to. That's available to you. But not just that you might take it. You see, when Paul writes grace and peace, it's because he knows it's the thing that Jesus wants to say to the church. But it's also the thing that Paul knows in the midst of his frustration with this church that he has to walk in if he's really going to show Jesus. Oh, you have to see it, okay? If you really, really get this, it will change you. You want peace in your life? Be peace in other people's life. You want grace in your life? Be gracious. People are like, I just wish that some people would be nicer to me. Well then, be nice. Here's the invitation for believers. I want you to think about this for just a moment. You are called to be salt and light. Grace and peace. Which means that when you walk in the room, the room should change. I mean to tell this to you, that when you walk into any room, people should be like, what is that, incense? They should sense a little bit of a barometric pressure shift. I had a pastor who used to say, you should turn up the heat a little bit when you walk in the room. 
And you're like, how is any of this possible? Here's what it is. Every person that you meet should meet Jesus in you. Every person. This is a hard teaching for those of us who like our quiet time. Amen? This is a hard teaching for those of us. Okay, let's do it. For those of us who have two versions of ourselves. Christian version and hood version. Because there's a part of me, I love to walk Colfax, I, I pray Colfax, and um, it's, it's weird, because when I pray Colfax, I also dress like I live on Colfax, and walk like I live on Colfax, which is funny, because I'm praying, and I said I should be most Jesus-like, but I'm always like mobbing down the street, right? Like, and that is actually not the way to do it. The truth is, is that when God puts you in a room, he put himself in the room through you. But many of you are stifling the Jesus in your heart so that when he sends you into a room, he's trusting you less with the room. Paul says grace and peace is what God offers you. And I'm recognizing that if I really want to help you, I have to walk in grace and peace. So what does grace afford? Grace affords forgiveness. Grace affords favor. Grace affords a new start. So put some skin on it. Think of the person in your life who's done you wrong right now. The one that every time you hear their name, you stew on. You think about for like a half of a day. You got them? You have to forgive them today. 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 You didn't ask Jesus to give you forgiveness tomorrow. You asked to be set free today. Why do you keep holding other people's guilt above their head until a day that you decide they're worth it? Forgiveness means right now. Grace means giving favor, which means putting other people first, even people that you don't like. Even people that say negative things about you, even people that are mean to you, who gossip about you, or are dead set on hurting you, grace says, hey, how can I help you today? Grace is giving people a brand new start, which is this. Every single person who's done you wrong should start at an even place today. In fact, I might encourage you to reach out to a few of those people whom you've severed ties with today and say, just checking on you, love you. What do you need? That is grace. It's really hard, huh? And that, that's what Jesus has done for you. In fact, that's what Jesus does for you every day. Every day when you make a mistake, he says, no big deal, brand new start, you ready? Just checking on you, you need anything? And you're like, I, I need help. And he's like, great, what can I do? Grace. And then peace. Peace is this other part. Peace is the, the sort of fruit of grace. If we trust in God for the grace of God, then we receive the peace of Jesus, which is no matter what I've been through, I'm good with it. Peace is the idea that when you walk into a room or in the relationships that you're in, that you would alleviate the pain and the suffering in the hearts of the people that you connect to. So here's a hard question. Are you the relief or the source of pain? When people meet you, can they take a deep breath because they know that comfort is in the room? Or when they see you, do they hold their breath? Fellas, let me just talk to you real quick. 
Ready? If your wife is afraid of you, you got to change right now. If your wife is fearful of your bad attitude or your bad day or what you might say or if you fly off the handle, you've got this whole thing wrong. The Bible says that even your prayers will be hindered if you abuse the woman that he's given you. Fellas, I want to tell you this today, right now, God has uniquely given you a gift. If you're a married man today, the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And if God's given you by his great grace a woman whom you don't deserve and you treat her in such a fashion that does not mirror the gift that she is, I want to tell you this right now, God is within his power and should take her away from you. You don't deserve a woman like that. We are not meant to hurt women. Amen. We aren't, we aren't made to scare women, rule over women, or put our thumb on our children. Amen. I want to tell you this today because it matters. This is where it really matters. Because you could sit in church and be like, I want to be a peacemaker. And then go home and fly off the handle. Because it always happens in the most intimate of relationships. You have to be the relief in the room with the people you love and the people you meet. Grace and peace. This is a hard teaching today. Because I don't want you to leave this place and be like, I just love Jesus. We were worshiping today. I learned to march in the first song. And you treat people the same way as though you don't know Jesus. The gospel is meant to transform you. It is made to make you brand new. And so when you leave this place or right now as the Lord is convicting you, I need you to set that before the king and say, if I'm being really honest, I'm not much at grace. And I show nothing good at peace. Change me from the inside out. Ladies, one for you. All the fellas are mad at me. <laughs> Bro. I'm going to try to do this one delicately. I am aware that we are not very good at many things as husbands. And we are all quite aware of that. And we are aware that you are aware of that. You see where I'm going with this? Gentle. Here's what I mean to tell you this. It's true that your husband needs help. But most of us need to know the why before we know the how. So when we always get the how or the what or what you didn't do, right? We rebel. Do you know why? Because mostly men are one big ball of ego. Oh, we're back on dudes again. All right. Most of us as men are really ruled by how we feel and whether or not we're seen or appreciated for our value. And so when we hear you correct us, which we realize in our soul is actually good for us, we hear it as nagging. Amen. That's the word that I was trying to stay away from. And all the fellows are like, don't say it. Oh, dude. When we hear it as that, it feels constantly negative, which makes us think that we are not worth the room or you, and we often live up to that. And so here's what we need for peace. Ready? If I'm going to correct every man in the room to be peace and relief for every woman in the room, I want to challenge you to do the same thing, ladies. Help us with the why. Pick up your underwear. Why? Because we like to have nice things, right? Yeah. 
nice things. Right? Take the trash out. Why? Because when it smells nice in here, everybody feels comfortable. Smell good. Yeah. A little bit of the why goes a long way for the how. And then here's the last tip. It's not a relationship series, but a little bit of fruit, a little bit of skin on this, okay? Now, when we take the trash out, I need like, I need a little trash. Let me show you what trash looks like. Okay. Honey, take the trash out. Why? Smell good. Smell good. Okay. Okay. We take the trash. We put it in the trash bin. And then we come back in. I want you to notice, ladies, you're going to see what he does every time he brings the trash in. He'll open the door and he'll come in. Here's what he's waiting for. It's very good. So good. Thank you. You're saying I have to applaud him? Yes! I don't know why. We just need a little of the why and a little bit of like, you're so great. Watch this. If ladies, if you give grace and peace like this to the man in your life, cast the vision and celebrate the execution, I want you to understand it won't take us very long to sit on the couch by ourselves and be like, no smell good. <laughs> Trash. And walk ourselves over there by ourselves. It won't take us long, two, three years, tops. But grace and peace is the message here. Here's what I'm trying to get you at, okay? We're trying to find ways to pour into each other, to love one another so we can grow together. And I'm making it funny for you so that you can be encouraged that you can do this. It's not just for the people who have hurt you. Start at home with the people who excite you, who love you, who celebrate you. Be relief at home. Baby, that dinner was so good. You put your foot in that thing. I'm so grateful to be married to you. Amen? Grace and peace. Get good at home, and then you can take it outside. Fair? Let's bring the band up here. We're going to worship for just a minute. I want to just give you one piece of clothing, okay? Clothing? Closing. Grace. Let me show you one last thing. Our big idea today is this. You, you have an inside track to eternal life or what we call paradise. And it is paved with grace and peace. Jesus promises us eternal life. And the promise is fulfilled by the grace of God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And navigated by the peace that we find knowing our sin no longer holds us. And the directions are made clear by authority in our life. That's why the apostle writes this letter. He says there's some things y'all got wrong, we gotta get it right. And we're gonna do this together. So throughout the next 16 weeks, we're going to do this together. I'm going to push you and we're going to go together. I'm going to say hard things to you. We're going to tease each other. We're going to poke each other. We're going to grow together because you can't stay the same anymore. He's called you to so much better than this and you can't do it alone. So we're going to go together. Amen. Thanks for joining Be The Light Podcast with lead pastor C.B. Barthlow. Visit our website at denverbeacon.org to download our Beacon app. 
text BEACON to 97000. Once again, text BEACON to 97000. Whatever you do, please remember to be the light. Let's go!